Yes, welcome back everybody uh, to a brand new Rugby Muscle Podcast. This is episode 85, our first Q&A of season four. The idea with these Q&As is that we can sort of address lots of little questions in a real quick time. So, you know, sometimes we spend the whole episode just talking about one topic like and one real specific topic but the quick fire Q&As allow us to get through a lot of stuff a lot of things like little things that people often think about and get confused about and it allows us to answer those things in quick succession and also have a little bit of fun if you would like to ask any question for a future Q&A just send any questions you want into tom at tjstrength.com with the subject rugby muscle podcast you can also um, ask the questions on my Instagram where often in the stories I'll throw up that ask me a question thing and sometimes when I get more rugby specific questions rather than answer it straight away on Instagram I'll leave it for here um, we also want to do these Q&As with every single guest slash expert that we get on so that we can approach you know we can have a theme for each Q&A or at least get to ask these guests you know more specialist questions but also more questions in getting to know who they are and what their beliefs are so I'm hoping that this will work out really well where we can do a Q&A most Thursdays. Like I said, again, if you have any questions, send them to Tom at tjstrength.com. If you'd like your free supplement guide, 50 free conditioning sessions, or to watch our free physique nutrition video course series, you can go ahead and grab them from rugby-muscle.com. Or you can even look into outsourcing completely outsourcing your training by joining team rugby muscle and getting all of your training sent directly to your phone depending on where you're at in the season and what your goals are that's all for now let's get into the podcast all right guys what's up we are back with nick and this time we are in for a treat with uh quickfire q a edition the first one of season four nick how's it going mate yeah, it's good, mate. Good, nice to be back. Yeah, for sure. Like, um, I, I like I like the short, sort of stabby podcasts in a way because it's just enough to give enough information, but they don't drag on for too long, and that's why I like these yeah. questions as well. Because you could spend hours answering every single one of these questions, but the mm-hmm. fact that we're sort of on a time constraint means that we have to get right right to the nitty gritty. Yeah, yeah, you know. But you could. You could literally spend hours on each of them and give the context and whatnot. And, but, oh, mate, um, and I could talk for hours as well. So yeah. you put me on a time Oh, for sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it goes to show sort of what we've been preaching for the first few episodes about how everything's like areas of grey. Like mm-hmm. if it was just black and white, you know, every, you know we, wouldn't, we literally wouldn't be able to talk for that long. We would just say, uh, carbs are bad and just keep repeating it over and over and over again. <laughs> like, it always blows my mind about how, like, when you have keto and, um, like, a lot of those simplistic sort of diets, mm-hmm. how they continue to have stuff to talk about. Like, you know what I mean? Like, part of the beauty of flexible dieting is every single nuance, you know, you can get into and explore. And Whereas, yeah, if think, you're so restricted... Yeah, a lot of people just end up repeating themselves all the time. So, I mean, uh, fuck it, we do too, so... Who cares? Mm. Speaking of which, yeah, calories in, calories out. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Same thing over and over and over again. But now, are you ready? Are you, have you been prepared? I bet you're. I'm going to catch you off guard with this, actually, Nick. What is it? Oh no! Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
It's so good. Come on. Actually, I did think about it in the week, to be honest. Yeah, of course you did. You you now know Um, you're in high demand of facts, so... I know. I've got to keep stock up. Um, So the one that I got uh, during the week, the one I found the most interesting, was that Samsung have a robot shaped like a butt to test the durability of their phones. The durability of their phones? Yeah. So they have a robot that... That better be... That better be the only thing that they test. About <laughs> it weighs about the same as uh, a normal human, and they put the genes on the robot. They put the phone in the back pocket, and then they <laughs> have the robot sit down on it to test the durability. That's amazing. Yeah. Do they also have a, like a, a test dummy, like of a, of a toilet that you sit on, so that every time you sort of stand up from that toilet, you you drop the phone because that's what I always do. Yeah, I think if you have it in your back pocket and you haven't dropped it in the toilet before, you're probably in the 1% of the population of the world who hasn't done that. I know we were just talking about how that these episodes, you know, they don't, we don't add too much fluff, but I have to get into this story. I um, <laughs> I once dropped my phone in the toilet. Um, it was, I think I'd flushed it. I'm almost certain. I def- Yeah, I definitely flushed the toilet before I dropped it in. <laughs> but it was it was it wasn't the, you know it's a toilet so it's not gonna be like yeah. clean uh, mountain water. Anyway, I um, put the you know everyone this was like about not quite ten years ago but it was a good while back when like you know putting your phone in rice was like revolutionary. <laughs> so I did that. This phone got drenched and putting it in rice overnight actually worked. And then I ate yeah, the rice. And you ate the rice. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I hate the rice. You made I was, uh... rice in the toilet. <laughs> well, my theory was that, like, I'm putting it in boiling water, so surely that makes it more, um, you know, as a uh, sterile. Could, do you, would you classify rice yeah. as sterile? You know, you know, I'm going with this. I, I know, like, you reckon you're killing all the bugs and stuff, but I don't know. Would you? Eat a boiled turd. Genuinely, what had happened is I forgot that that was the rice I'd used for the uh, thing. So uh, I, I just got hungry, and you know when you you know when you let yourself get hungry, you don't think as much. You just you just think food. Yeah, like that Snickers ad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Except I wasn't a diva. I I just ate toilet water. Uh, <laughs> Whoopsie. <laughs> anyway, right. Uh, we got five questions. See how quickly we can get through these. Um, right. The idea is these Thursday Q and A's are, you know, a little bit more um, anything goes. So if you have a question, uh, you can send them into uh, Tom at tjstrength.com. Just send any question, uh, use a subject, Rugby Muscle Podcast, and if you whatever question you ask, it will get answered on this pod, no matter where it goes. So um, yeah, no holds barred. Yeah, man, it's going to be fun. Um, and the beauty of these questions as well is that every time we get a new guest on, we'll do one of these episodes with them. So yeah. it should be decent. All right, let's get straight into it. And the first question we have is best squat variation for rugby players. I've heard a few different different uh, opinions on this one. So you go first and, and I'll, uh, I'll add my little bit. Um, you know me, just as we were talking about areas of grey, definitely... You know, there is no one best squat variation. This is, um, again, sort of simplistic uh, ways of thinking. It's not, you know, a squat or all exercises are tools to get you the result that you want. So it really depends on the result that you want. You know, if you need to build up your quads more um, and maybe it's just about up and it's a bit strength, maybe work a bit of upper back. 
Fud squats are going to be great, and if you're not, any, you know, if you're if you've got a weak lower back as well, that can help. Um, my personal favorite, I guess, in in general, to not be a dick about answering this question, let's just go into it. My personal favorite is actually rear foot elevated split squats. Nice. Uh, yeah, I would I would add to that a uh, front rack position if you're going to use a barbell. But that was one of my options there, is that the old Bulgarian split squat. Um, wonderful for rugby and very uh, specific as well. Yeah, what I like about um, just split squats in general is that they, too, you know, it's not, first off, it's not a single leg squat. I always say that when I coach people on the movement. Mm-hmm. You know, both legs are being used, yep. but it's not just a parallel stance. And because how often in rugby do you find yourself just in this parallel stance to you know, firing perfectly symmetrical. You don't like everything is, um, done on, you know, each leg is done individually for yeah. every sprint step you take most, ruck, like, you know, every try and ruck that you do. Um, you know, most scrums, even though your legs often are in line, you, you're still not just firing off of that one or you're not in a squat anyway. Um, yeah, no, exactly. I, I would always, um, program a rugby athlete, with a bilateral variation and a unilateral variation of the yeah. squat. And then the same for hinge and all the pressing as well. Bilateral meaning two legs at the same time? Yep, unilateral one leg at the same time. Beautiful. So even though we just said that the reflow elevated split squat is technically two legs, they're not doing the same thing. So yeah. I still classify that as a unilateral. Yeah, I also love the split squat because it take, there's a lot less pressure on the lower back. Mm-hmm. I love that about it, and I also love the fact that um, you get a good stretch on that hip of the foot that's elevated. Yeah, and that exactly. is... especially if you get proper depth. Um, yeah, the, I love using a front rack uh, for that for a bit more core stability, and also just changing um, where the weight sits over your hips. It just makes you have to lean back into it a little bit more. Yeah, that's um, what I was going to say. Is all that front rack is help? It helps keep that torso more upright. Yeah. And it, people tend to lean over when they do a split squat. Yeah, um, they tend to try and keep the weight over their front foot, where we want it over, over the hips. Yeah, we want to we want to try and keep a straight line, no matter what you're targeting. Really, you want to keep a straight line between that back knee and that front shoulder, or, yeah. the, or whatever shoulder, then, both shoulders. Yeah, and and as far as the bilateral movement, um, you know, if you're going for absolute maximal strength, if that's your goal, then low bar back squat's hard to beat. Yeah, but if you want something that's more transferable to rugby and sprinting and that sort of thing, I'd say high bar back squat. And yeah, as you said earlier, front squat if you need to build up specific stuff, but back squat's going to be your, your man on this one. Yeah, there are there are lots of them, um, and there are lots of different uses. So, you know, yeah. if if you're, you know, if you tend to lean too much for, you know, lean fo- too too far forward. Um, on your squats, even though you're not, you're not trying, that's not the goal. You're like, you're like, so how, how, how do I rephrase this? If you're doing a low bar back squat, that allows you to get more of a forward lean and allows you to lift more weight. But the low bar means that that whole movement is sort of controlled because your center of mass Mm -hmm. is a little bit further back, allows you to lean more forward. When you go high bar or a front squat, you know, you're trying to keep that torso a lot more upright. You're trying to target the quads a little bit more. But even then, sometimes the um, the what you call what's uh, what's what's the muscle group I'm trying to think of the posterior chain can fire a bit too much, and that ends up you end up leaning far too far forward. But you can't do that with a, with a front squat. So 
if you're if you're struggling with depth, if you're struggling with technique, I advise uh, lightening the load and doing a front squat for as much as you can until you get that core strength, strength. You get that um, strength in that low position, and that will then help you when you do back squats or other squat variations. Yeah, uh, like I probably should have mentioned at the start that if you can't master the technique of whichever variation you're trying, then you probably shouldn't be doing that one as your main strength move. Like, use it as practicing, like for practice for that technique. So if you can't high bar squat due to poor ankle mobility or something like that, low bar squat for your strength and work on your ankle mobility. Yeah, sure. Yeah. All right, we nailed that question. And too long didn't read or too long didn't listen. It's rear foot elevated split squats are our favorite if we're gonna if we if if i had to pick one that would be it yep cool and then this question i have a a little bit of a lead into from the last question it says i know you're not much of a mobility guy but how can you how can i get more flexible hamstrings and i've chatted with this person before and they've told me about how they struggle to get in that jackal position and you know they just struggle in general with rugby because of how tight their hamstrings are and the best mobility that you can do is proper weight training so the best way to get a more to specifically to answer this question best way to get more flexible hamstrings is by doing lots of romanian deadlifts with a light weight that allows you to get into the proper positions because that's gonna enable your hamstrings to experience that stretch position feel confident almost you know not that a muscle feels confident but get comfortable with being in that position and firing in that position the more you do that the more flexible your hamstrings are going to be because they're getting stretched and they're contracting so you're controlling everything it's not just an arbitrary stretch where you're trying to reach for your toes you're doing it under load so therefore your muscles are way more likely to adapt find those better positions and not just find those better positions, but work in those better positions. Yeah. Uh, you'll find most people when they try and stretch their hamstrings actually end up stretching their lower back. Yep. Um, and so by adding load, you have to keep your core braced, which means you can't use your lower back to try and find extra range of motion. So an RDL, just like you said, is probably the best thing for lengthening. Um, and I would add a pause at the end of the eccentric phase. Mm-hmm. Um, basically so you can control the concentric but it also helps stretch a little bit and you'll find as you go through your reps and sets that the bar will start getting closer and closer to the ground yeah that's beautiful um in general like don't think of mobility as an aside from your regular weight training and lifting weights and doing all that that like mobility or that doing your weights is going to give you the best mobility um that you will need and then any any sort of shortcomings that you have can be addressed, but rarely need to be because, you know, what else are you doing that needs more mobility than RDLs, full full depth squats, that sort of thing? That's all the mobility that you need, and that will transfer into a game even better. Then, yes, definitely. Um, it, it's going to come down to the individual anyway. But um, as I said, for the hamstring stuff, you pretty much nailed it with that RDL, and then any different muscle group is going to need a different thing and it almost comes down to needing another question yeah i I mean and one last key here is um you got to understand a a huge difference between flexibility and like mobility yeah you know just because i can stand up and whilst i'm standing with straight legs put my whole i don't know palm on the ground doesn't mean i'm going to be any useful in a jackal position 
No, exactly. If you if you tried that as a jack, uh, tried to jackal in that position, you'd get your ass handed to you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. Now that question. Next one. Best alternatives to cleans slash snatches, etc. My gym because my gym doesn't allow you to drop weights. You can take this Good one question. away. Yeah. So, um, my first instinct would have been to go with a high pull or a similar variation. Yeah. Um, but if the gym doesn't allow you to drop weights. Uh, I would probably move away from the barbell and look at things like kettlebells and even medicine balls. Um, So kettlebells, very easy. Like a kettlebell swing and maybe even a kettlebell high pull is probably all you need to mimic those movements. Um, And then if you went to the medicine ball side, depending on if they let you drop a medicine ball, but you could go for like uh, overhead throws, um, like aiming at a wall behind you or even aiming for height with the ball. Um, and I think you put something on your Instagram during the week. Um, it was like a it was like a slam where you didn't slam the ball and then you... Oh, you know, the, the, scoop, the scoop throw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like those sort of things, anything where you're getting triple extension under load um, is going to be perfect for that. You got to remember that when you're working those Olympic lifts, you are trying to hit the speed strength and the strength speed part of your... Oh, and even sometimes the speed um, part of your speed strength continuum. So the load doesn't need to be that heavy um, unless, you know, if you get to the point where it doesn't need to be that heavy, you're going to have to find somewhere where you can do those yeah. cleans. And yeah, 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 yeah. Spot on. And, and that last bit is what I love the most for sure there, where, like, um, what you've got to understand is, well, first off, the question is, why are we looking for alternatives? Why are we doing cleans and snatches in the first place that we have to look for alternatives, Right. And the answer to that, most more often than not, is uh, just because that's what the program says, or that's because what I see other people do, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas really, the you know the answer is because I want to work power. So yeah. by just saying, oh, actually, I want to work power. Now, now we've opened up ourselves to a lot more options, right? We've opened ourselves up to jumps, to sprints, to whatever we're trying to do, um, you know. And there's also looking at so the scoop throw is it worked really well because it it produces the force horizontally, whereas yeah. most Olympic lifters are vertical. So actually, you know, if you're looking at doing horizontal force, that scoop throw is potentially superior to cleans and snatches. Um, yeah. And then if, if that's working the right area of your speed range continuum before you're trying to get them. Yeah. And, and then the, to go on to your point about the speed strength continuum, this is where it gets really key as well. Right. Is um, if you're, if you're lifting such a heavy weight that you need to drop it, you might be potentially using too heavy a weight anyway, that you're not using it at the speed that you need to move it at to work that power, to get the benefit that you're trying to do from those Olympic lifts. So often with my athletes that I train, I will say, hey, you've um, you've got to lighten that weight because we're not looking to see how much you can clean. We're looking to just to move that bar as fast as possible and therefore produce better power. Yeah, um, and actually one thing I, I uh, didn't go into because I assumed if you can't drop the weights, you're probably in a gym where they don't have chains or yeah, the yeah. ability to attach Ooh. bands, but yeah. you can always go down the route of a speed squat or a speed deadlift where mm-hmm. you add chains and bands um, to increase the resistance as you go through the concentric part of the lift, Yep, and that's going to help with that power and that speed. Yeah, I like that. Um, 
I also like um, just doing, like you said, high pulls, or you can still do cleans and snatches. Snatches for sure. You can do light snatches, but move them real fast, and then you can just put the weight down. You don't have to drop. Um, yeah, m- most people won't be doing heavy enough snatches that they have to drop it from overhead. You should be doing a light weight that you can really move powerfully, and then you can just put it down. Yeah, um, I guess the problem there would be if you're using a weight that's so light that you can control in even a bad situation. So say your technique goes and you don't snatch properly. In most situations in, in a normal gym, you'd be able to drop it. People might right. look at you funny, but you get away with it. But if you're unable to drop it at all, then those Olympic lifts are probably uh, too technical for you to get away with. For sure. And then that then that becomes a, you know, now now we're not doing the cleans and the snatches because we're not technical enough to do the cleans and the snatches. Then yeah. we move to things, just simple things like jumps, weighted jumps. Like there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with grabbing a couple dumbbells and just, you know, doing sets of five, just jumping as high as you can, control the landing or jumping onto a box or whatever. You know, there's so many different variations that it's difficult to give. Um, I would just say one last one is uh, dumbbell snatches or or really light barbell cleans, like just shoulder width grip. Or not cleans, snatches. Because um, a lot of people think that snatches are more technical than cleans. And whilst that's true... They're easier to do for the benefit at like a real big begi- like a real beginner stage. Um, yeah, I'll, I always teach a snatch first if I'm teaching someone on the big lift. You so, can you can muscle um, a clean up to your shoulder like with a dumbbell or a barbell or a kettlebell, but really to get it up overhead in one movement, you've got to move it fast, and therefore um, you're probably going to get the benefit. Yeah, but yeah. Um, all right, next one. Um, Unless you've got any last points on that. No, no, I think we covered it. Yeah, I think we nailed it. Cool. Any specific gym work for a scrum half? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, Once again, it's always going to depend on the goals of that scrum half. Um, Realistically, almost anyone can play that position as long as they've got a good enough skill level. And that's not something you can really train in the gym. Um, As long as you've got the mobility to get down and you know sit over the ball where you need to um everything else is kind of just general rugby player stuff yeah so for me um generally it's it's not like like you said like work on your skills work on getting down to get that ball and working that pass off the ground that's not really strength or or strength and condition at all related right it's just working that pass um and even especially for a scrum half position like a such a skilled movement like that i would i would definitely get people away from using like weighted balls and stuff as well because then you're going to change the mechanics of the movement but Mm -hmm. there's nothing to say that working your rotation power and rotation strength isn't gonna massively improve your ability to pass because you're gonna have that much more power in your rotation map then therefore much more power in your pass Definitely. If you work on your core, um, you know, anything from a power-off press to a wood chopper, that sort of yep. thing, it's all going to have massive carryover. And, you know, especially when you're talking about passing the ball, it might give you a couple extra meters each pass, and yeah. that could carry over. But as far as, like, position-specific stuff, you know, I can't 
really think of too much other than the core stuff that would help. Yeah, I agree. Uh, um, and then, uh, I mean, it depends on what type of scrum half you are, but most scrum halves I've worked with, we also work a good bit of agility and um, like lateral agility because, you know, um, the more agile you are around in short, real short spaces, the better you are, the better your chances are going to be to get clean ball away, do all of that good stuff and snipe. Yeah. Um, but again, every rugby player needs to be agile. So maybe a bit more emphasis on that. And then maybe a little bit more emphasis on just overall aerobic conditioning, because you've just got it. It's a lot of work being a scrum half. Uh, mate, I played scrum half, uh, three games in a row for one of my old teams in England. You uh, are not a scrum half. Yeah. Played it, got a hat trick. Um, yeah, it was pretty much my most successful position I had at that club. And I actually found it really easy to just follow the ball around and pass all day. Yeah, I've done it a few times since I've started just coaching. I'll do a few sessions where I'll just run in at scrum half because it just yeah. it allows like better structure for everyone else. Um, and yeah, you're you're right. It's it's if you just get there and pass it. It's it's a simple simple position to play, really. Yeah. Sweet. Nailed that one. Um, uh, and whoever, sorry, I, I haven't written down the name of who asked that question, but if you want to be more specific with what you want to improve as a scrum half, feel free to uh, ask another question at, to Tom at tjstrength.com with the subject, Rubby Muscle Podcast. Um, I would add, add one more thing to that, actually. Yeah. Um, most scrum halves that I've played with, the ones that, want to improve in the way that I, I'm guessing they're asking this question. It, as long as you look where you're passing, like nine times out of 10, like a scrum half that can complete a pass is going to be better than a scrum half who's flashy and agile and all that stuff, but misses the mark half the time. And also I would say like scrum half is definitely more of a tactical position as well. It's not yeah. just about getting there and giving an accurate pass. It's about knowing when to give that accurate pass. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when your 10 wants it or if your forwards want it, whoever, like it's a real tactical position. So yeah, it's, definitely. it's, it's, you're not, it's probably with a position that more so than most other positions, not every other position, but more so than most other positions that you can't, um, that it's, you know, you can't just get away on raw talent. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. All right, last question. Um, we're going to just answer one one of the, we're just going to give us one answer for this question, all right? Because we've, we're going over on the time. And that question is, what's the biggest mistake most rugby players make in the gym? So this person perhaps or perhaps did not read our 15 mistakes rugby players make in the gym um, <laughs> document that we did back in the day. Or maybe they did. Maybe they want us to choose the number one mistake. But um, eh, um, I'll, I'll leave you to answer this question first. So I would say the biggest mistake uh, rugby players make in the gym would be too much pushing and not enough pulling. Um, and that applies to pretty much most movements, but it's the bench press is the big culprit here. Um, you know, there's not that much functional uh, carryover from a bench press to a game of rugby. Um, where if you spent some of that time, you know, rowing and doing some pulling movements, that has far more carryover. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, I think that's a that's a mistake that it's more, um, more ge- generic anyway. It's not just limited to rugby yeah. players. Like most dudes, push more than they should, more more than they should, and pull less than they should. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think most dudes can get away with it. Like 
most people who just want to look good can get away with having severely internally rotated shoulders and, you know, their massive chest and weak lats. But I feel like in rugby, where performance is concerned, and especially where you need some upper body power, um, it really is detrimental. My 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 bit thing I've just thought of for the biggest mistake has to be um, just a lack of clarity in their goals. So yeah. often, like people say, "Oh, they, you know, I want to get fitter." Well, what are you doing in the gym? Well, I'm doing three sessions of weights. Well, you're not going to get fitter then, are you? Um, or you know, I want to get I want to increase my upper body strength, and they're going in and just doing one session a week or something like that. You know, it's just. Or they want to improve their power and they're doing stuff for 12 to 15 reps. Like, you have to really get an understanding of what you're trying to achieve before you can create a plan to achieve it. You can't just go around and um, just follow any random templates and expect to get better when you don't really have an idea of what getting better means. Yeah, and I guess um, mine and and your biggest mistake could both be uh, avoided by either getting a coach or finding someone who does this sort of stuff all the time and emulating that. Yeah. Yeah. Getting a coach is definitely um, a good way. I mean, and if you're a rugby player, hey, we've reached the end of the podcast. Why not throw in the, the cheap plug? Rugby-muscle.com. If you want to join Team Rugby Muscle, uh, we will we launch in it one, two, three, four days after this podcast goes out. Um, and just shoot me an email, Tom at TJ Strength, if you want to find out more about that. Um, we will be doing the, I mean, and this is where we're talking about getting specific. We have four different specific programs that we'll be running throughout the year, and they will be based upon your goal, whether you just want to look better, because there's like, you know, there's not too much wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with just going to the gym to look better. That's why most people do it. They just tell people other excuses. Um, you know, and we've got one for in season, one for off season. Work and we're going to go through different phases that all rugby players need to go through and you can just get that straight to your phone and um, you'll find more about that at rugby-muscle.com um, and that's the end of the podcast because we've actually answered that last question uh, any closing Easy. thoughts there Nick mate? Uh, no mate I think um, the format was good so I'd love to do it again and I'd love to hear some more questions coming in and they don't even have to be specifically gym related like um I got a pretty good knowledge of nutrition and recovery and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, let's, let's keep these going. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. These are good. So keep the questions coming in fellas and ladies. Um, we had, we've had one lady listener to reach out since, um, season four has come out of the podcast. I remember when I was with Alex in the last few seasons, I think we got to two, maybe even three. So keep those numbers rolling in. Nice. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. All right, guys. Thank you very much for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, or if you've enjoyed any episode of the Rugby Muscle Podcast, please go ahead and give us a five-star rating and type a quick review. It takes about a minute, and it really helps us out a ton, helps grow the show, helps grow Rugby Muscle, and in turn we will be able to give you guys the best quality content, information, and programs that we possibly can. If you're interested in any of that stuff, like the free physique nutrition video series, or the TJ Strength Supplement Guide, or the 50 free rugby conditioning sessions, you can find them all at rugby-muscle.com 
or by going through my Instagram profile at tj.strength. Give me a quick follow. And until next time, guys, I've been your host as always, TJ. See you soon.